One of the beauties of our apostles is that we can relate with them at various times with Peter's denial, maybe with even Judas's betrayal on a, at least a minor scale, and most likely with Thomas's, maybe not so much doubting, but our emphasis on, I want proof, I want to see, I want assurances from God. We sort of fall into this trap of saying, all right, God, I want to believe in you, but you need to show me some evidence. Maybe we would not quite say it that way, but we would sort of hope, give me a sign. The, the Jews were always looking for signs. And Jesus' famous answer was, you'll have the sign of Jonah, three days. Three days in the belly of the whale, three days in the tomb. This is your sign. This is our sign. Uh, the Lord is risen after three days in the tomb. And we haven't seen him. In fact, that was the problem on the first day. Is the women came back and said the tomb was empty. And these angels said he was risen. And we have the famous scene of Peter and John running to the tomb to look in and see if it's true. Kind of like the doubting, well, what do women know? we got to go check it out. Concept. We have all these human issues. But it says Peter kind of looked, but John believed. He believed. What do we need to believe? And then here we have Jesus appearing. And of course he is resurrected. And so he doesn't need to open doors. And we have this famous idea the doors were shut, locked because of fear of the Jews and Jesus just shows up. And we have other scenes where they kind of think he's a ghost. And one scene on the shore to prove that he wasn't a ghost he says, give me some fish. Okay. Ghosts can't eat. My point is, the apostles give us hope because sometimes we're a little bit like that. Give me some sign. Give me some proof. Because life is pretty scary sometimes. And we have to have what we theologically call a leap of faith, which is not easy. Maybe it's the hardest thing we do. Here, we have Jesus appearing twice. Each time he gives the great greeting. Peace be with you. In Hebrew, Shalom Elikem. We are people who follow the Prince of Peace. That is our cry. That peace may reign. And they rejoiced, and then they told Thomas, and Thomas said, I got to stick my finger here, my hand there. And so Jesus appears again and says, okay, do it. And Thomas makes the famous profession of faith, my Lord and my God.
which is the same cry that the centurion made in the synoptic gospels when he realizes that Jesus was the son of God and that he was truly someone special not like the other thieves and such my Lord and my God so I want to talk just a little bit about faith it is not so easy I think in English we confuse faith as a dynamic belief or trust in God or in another person if we're talking humanly with faith that we have also called a doctrine of the church. We even have this, in my opinion, awful phrase, the deposit of faith. Now think about that. That sounds like we got this lump of stuff saying, this is the faith. No. Faith is not what's printed on a page. It's not even the words of the creed. It's the words we profess. And when we profess them, even though they're rather formal, we're going to say those in a little bit, they are alive. Because they're not what the words say, but who the person is. Or, quite honestly, the three persons of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we have to be careful and not to make faith some kind of objective deposit. But trust in the living God, in the living person who is Jesus. But faith is a gift. We can't really earn it. We can't even convince somebody else to believe unless God has first planted some seeds at the 11 o'clock, which is why church went on for so long and you couldn't find a parking spot and all that good stuff. About 20 folks made a profession of faith and became Catholic from other churches. The baptisms took place on Holy Saturday. On this Sunday, we took care of the other part of the class. Each one of those people was there not because somebody had convinced them. Oh, I suspect a few spouses drug them along. Not because we taught them with incredible ways of speaking, although some of the classes I hope were pretty good, but because God had touched their hearts and they saw in others, at least a few others, that it was real. You and I. What do we believe is real? What do we need to be touched? What do we need to hear? Paul says faith comes through hearing. I think we're not as good a listener as we need to be. I keep telling my seminarians, and I try to do this myself, that when I meet with someone who wants to get married or someone who wants their baby baptized or someone who wants me to anoint their loved one or do a graveside. I did a graveside at 11 o'clock of a suicide victim. Very tough. Uh, 
I have to hear. Tell me why you are here. What is your story? What are you seeking? So that I can, as best I can, build on it. I think we preach at people too much. You who are parents and grandparents, you know your kids don't listen to you, right? You have to listen and lead by example and find the words which will help them to see that they are loved, that they belong. It's very much how we deal with children. The church deals with us as her children. To lovingly, mercifully, that's Pope Francis's great theme, Say, God is merciful and you are his. And what can I say to help you believe that? So on this other title of Divine Mercy Sunday, we need to proclaim that our God is loving and kind. And pray that people will hear. And then believe.